0: Welcome to Bridges Community Church. Our services will begin shortly. So whether you're joining us outside on the patio, inside our worship center, or online at home, grab a seat and prepare to enter into a time of worship. Today, we will be celebrating communion together. So if you're at home, take a moment right now to grab some juice and bread or a cracker and prepare for that time of communion. Before our service begins, we'd like to take a moment to let you know what's happening around the life of the church.
1: I hope you're all looking forward to our egg hunt that we host for the community on April 16th here on campus. We still need some help, so please go to the service page on bridges.info and sign up to join us. We have cards available at the connections and the welcome table right out in the lobby, so please do grab a stack of those and hand those out to your friends and neighbors and coworkers that have children 11 and under. We can all be praying this week that God would use this event to bring glory to himself. I look forward to serving with you. Have a great week.
0: in opening the service this morning with uh, a song about God's love, and we're gonna keep singing about God's love. This week I was reflecting on God's love, and I was reflecting on our response to God's love, and that's worship, our response to God's love, and First uh, John chapter four popped into my head. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So that's our response to God. We're not loving one another and we're not singing songs to God so that God will start to love us. God already loves us. God loves us so much. He sent his one and only son so we can respond to to him in love and to each other in love. Let's continue to sing this morning. By the cross you your love
2: Jesus G- I
0: Together we all say, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And while you do, we're going to invite up uh, Mark, who's one of our elders.
3: That was my
1: fault. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. That was great singing. I love it. Um, let's uh, have a time of prayer right now. Let's all bow together. There's so many things uh, that's happening in the world. Unfortunately, many are not good things, right? Evil things. I just heard a mass shooting today in this morning um, in Sacramento last night. 16 people were hurt. So let's pray together. Our dear Father in heaven, We thank you for gathering us here as your children so we can worship and praise your name in such a safe and comfortable environment. We know there are others that are persecuted. They can't even worship together. They can't even sing out loud because they're persecuted. But we can, and we thank you for that. We want to bow down before the Creator and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning, because you alone is worthy of our praise and worship. You have shown your love to us by sending your Son to die for us and to save us from sin and the darkness of the world, so now we can be forgiven and we be reconciled with you, and we're part of your big family we we want to spend time to pray for those in pain and suffering those who were hurt last night at the shooting their families their loved ones we ask you to to comfort them um covid is not over by any means in many parts of the the world we pray for those who are suffering with that I would pray for the war between Russia and Ukraine. Many have become refugees, separated with loved ones, physically and emotionally hurting. We, We pray that you will be comforting them and you will send needed help through your servants and your children's so they can be served, and they can be healed. Lord, we know this is the last day, and we know for a time Satan is still the prince of this world. But we know that you are the real king who is coming. We know your kingdom is arriving soon. But in the meantime, we ask you to mobilize your children As salt and light, so we can shine and we can help salt with those who are around us so they get a taste of your kingdom and we can bring more into your world. Father God, we ask you for a spirit filled worship this morning. May your spirit be with us in all glory. Be to God, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. All God's people say, amen.
0: Thanks, Mark. Uh, You know, every Sunday we look to the cross and we look to Jesus. But as we approach Easter here in just a couple weeks, uh, uh, the cross crosses my mind more and more. And as I look at uh, music that we sing together I think more and more about the cross. So this morning we have a a new song uh, for us. So um, as always, whenever we introduce a song, if you want to stay seated and just listen, uh, feel free. If you know the song or if it starts to become familiar and you want to sing along, do so. If you're moved to stand, whatever you want to do. But let's continue to worship together and let's look to the cross together. This time, we'll go ahead and dismiss our elementary school students to join Miss Alba in the back.
2: John fifteen twelve to seventeen. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whenever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another.
3: Uh, One of the professors at uh, Midwestern Seminary, Dr. Thomas Johnson, conducted an uh, in-depth analysis of every evangelistic uh, conversation in essentially the New Testament. Um, So every time that Jesus offered for someone to participate in his mission, every time one of Jesus' followers invited someone to place their trust in Jesus, every time someone called for others to repent or be baptized, all the evangelistic conversations. Dr. Johnson analyzed how did that conversation start? Who started it? What was it about? What did the evangelist do to like pivot to talking about Jesus? One of the surprising observations from that study is only about a third of the evangelistic conversations were initiated by the evangelist. Two-thirds of the conversations were initiated by someone else coming up to Jesus or coming up to one of Jesus' followers and inquiring about something. Um, And then Jesus or his followers, they responded, they reacted. That is surprising, at least to me, uh, because we have this impression that Jesus' followers went out into the world and kind of cold-called everyone uh, to tell them about Jesus. Which, like, for sure, cold calls happened. That was absolutely a part of it. But actually the majority of the personal conversations when people shared their faith with another individual, the majority of those conversations were initiated by someone on the outside. Someone came up to them and asked something. It wasn't always tell me about Jesus, but it was something. And then the follower of Jesus used that opportunity to talk about faith in Him. Um, They bridged from whatever the inquirer said to the gospel, which in a way is what we are doing. We are in our fifth week out of six, so we're almost done, where we are identifying six conversations that our friends, neighbors, and colleagues are already having in which we can enter into to show that Jesus is a better story because we believe Jesus is compelling Jesus has a better approach to power. He has a better response to the vulnerable. He has a better angle on purpose, on justice, on friendship, which is what we're talking about today, and on self-worth, which is what we'll talk about next week. Christianity hasn't survived for 2,000 years because people of faith are ignorant. Christianity has survived for 2,000 years because, well, one, it's true. But two, because it's solid. Uh, The deeper you look at it, the more compelling it becomes. I've never understood why some churches discourage their people from asking hard questions. I don't get that. Uh, This is why we have a sermon question button on our uh, Bridges.info page so you can ask questions. Every hard question I've ever encountered, even if it initially caused me to doubt my faith, if I kept looking into it, if I really searched to the bottom, it led me to deeper faith. Hard questions have never undermined my faith. They've never undermined Christianity at large. We are still here after 2,000 years of probing And it's not because people are ignorant. It's because Jesus is a better story. And the more you look at him, the more convincing he becomes. So for six weeks, we're identifying conversations, which we are already having and in which we can show that Jesus is a better story. Along the way, we hope to deepen or maybe even begin our own faith. But our primary goal in these six weeks has been to think through how to share jesus in the context of conversations that are already happening so today we're thinking through the theme of friendship and as we study our text thanks for reading that uh, we will see the necessity of friendship um, a requirement for friendship the choice of friendship and finally the power for friendship the necessity of a requirement for the choice of and the power for. So first, the necessity of friendship. Friendship is commanded, Jesus follower. It is commanded. Jesus says, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love each other as I have loved you. He does not say, if you have time for it, love each other as I have loved you. He does not say, if you find someone you really click with, love that person as I have loved you. Jesus doesn't suggest that we should have friends and be friends. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. I have called you friends. Now go love each other like that. Friendship is not optional. We often treat it as optional. But that is not only disobedience to Jesus, it is to our own detriment. Just like any other time we disobey Jesus, if we neglect friendship, we will be hurt. And others will also be hurt. Unfortunately, we disobey this command all the time. We way too easily move friendship to the back burner. When we are super busy, what do we cut? One of the first things to go is time with friends. We say something like, I can't hang out tonight. I need to get this done. Okay, which isn't a problem. Don't feel too guilty about that. It's not a problem if it only happens once, but but the I'm too busy quickly becomes a pattern, and if that's our pattern, then it's to our detriment. Our behavior, if you really look at how we spend our time and what we cut, shows that we really view friendship as expendable, and it's not. And we were even doing that pre-pandemic. Now it's worse. It's worse. It's like we've forgotten the richness that can come from in person community with others. We've lost sight, some of us, not all of us, of how important friends are. There was a study uh, founded by the National Geographic Society where they uh, located pockets of centenarians. If you've never heard that word before, it's the term for people who live to be over 100. Um, So the National Geographic Society found several locations around the world where there happened to be a high concentration of centenarians. So they sent research teams to these places to try to understand why is it that people right here tend to live longer than other places? And of course, they identified all kind of factors they believed contributed to a long life. Uh, Diet, of course, what people ate, what they didn't eat. Naps. Uh, taking regular naps, um, but also rich community. Uh, Several of those locations are in Greek islands, which are super remote, so there are no TVs. It's like Hume Lake where our students go for camp, no TVs. So how do people spend their time if there's no TV? Being with one another, that's what they do. Here's some anecdotes from a uh, New York Times article that was written by one of the National Geographic researchers. He says, during our time on Acaria, uh, we stayed at a guest house where local women gathered in the dining room at mid-morning to gossip over tea. Um, Then they went to work through the day. But after sunset, an old couple walked in carrying a glass of homemade wine, and our host and the newcomer's. Cheek kissed one another heartily and settled in around the table. They chatted, drank wine, and occasionally erupted into laughter. Late at night, tables were pushed aside, and the dining room became a dance floor, with people pouring in, locking arms, and kick dancing to Greek music. They do that, the researcher makes it sound like, almost every night. And they're over 100 years old. Now, some of you, I know, you're thinking, if that's what it takes to live over 100, kill me now. (laughs) Uh, All I want to do is crawl in a hole and be by myself. Okay, I I understand. We all need different amounts of time with other people. I, I get that. But regardless of the amount of time or regardless of the number of people that we're talking about, we all need that type of warmth. That the researcher was describing maybe that was exaggerated i don't know i'm not there but we need a place where we are totally included where we are seen to the bottom where we are relationally safe we all need that and i don't know how many of us have it especially after the last two years but we need it do you know one reason why you're so depressed after two years of pandemic There's a bunch of reasons. This isn't a comprehensive medical diagnosis, but if you are depressed, one reason could be because you aren't connected to people. Isolation has made you depressed. And then here's the really sinister thing about depression. It traps you. It like prevents you from doing the thing that would help you get out of it. Like, if you're depressed, all you feel like doing is being isolated, but the more isolated you are, the more depressed you will get. So, at some point, you just need to force yourself out of it and reconnect with others. Friendship is not optional, it truly is a fundamental human need, and Jesus commanded it. Okay, that's the necessity of friendship. Next, um, a requirement for friendship, a requirement. Vulnerability or openness. Uh, Friendship requires vulnerability. It requires more than vulnerability, but not less. So that's all we're talking about today. Jesus says, verse 14, I have called you friends for, because. Why have you called us friends, Jesus? I want to know. Well, I've called you friends because all I heard from the Father I made known to you. He says, A servant doesn't know his master's business, but you know mine. Jesus is an open book with the disciples, and he says that is why he calls them friends. There's a direct connection between what we disclose to others and how close we are to them. The more open or the more vulnerable we are with someone, the more opportunity we have for connection with that person. Now, the person could betray our trust, reject us, and the whole thing blows up, you know, hashtag Judas, but openness. Creates the opportunity. And Jesus gives us a hint here that we likely think about vulnerability and friendship in the reverse order from how we ought to think about vulnerability and friendship. Jesus hints here that vulnerability comes before friendship. Jesus says he has already told them everything about his business. And now he calls them friends. First, he tells them everything. Second, came calling them friends. I don't want us to make too much out of that. Um, I don't want to overstate the order because it's not like a rigid rule that vulnerability comes before friendship. But it is notable that we tend to think the opposite. We typically believe that we need to be very close with someone before we share personal details with them, especially men. Typically men, me included, there's a short list of people who are going to hear about our problems. And there is a very short list of people who who will hear about it if we're feeling uh, insecure or scared. Maybe no one hears about that. But if that's you, let me just ask you a self-diagnostic question. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. You don't need to be vulnerable, just in your head. Um, If you tend to lock up and not share what's going on with you, if that's you... How many close friends do you have? Like people who actually see you to the bottom? How many of those you got? One? Two? Half? You got half a friend like that who sees you to the bottom? Here's my observation people who are open books tend to have more friends than people who hide their feelings. Tend to. There's a connection between vulnerability and friendship. Vulnerability creates the opportunity for friendship. One reason I'm confident of my observation is because I'm married to Beth, uh, who is <laughs> yeah, greatest thing that God ever provided, right? Uh, other than salvation. Beth is about as open of a book as I have ever seen. And I am the opposite. Um, Or at least I was when we got married 14 years ago. Uh, 14 years of marriage has changed me some. Um, (laughs) Beth has made a lot of progress, okay? Uh, We aren't to the finish line yet. 14 years ago, I'd say my general approach to a new group of people was first, try to learn the lay of the land before I said very much, right? Figure out the culture of the group and then only say things I knew that would help me fit in with the group. Meaning, I showed the world very little of who I actually was. And instead of revealing the true me, right, I I more so just like reflected the attitudes of the group back to the group, which is safe. If you do that, you won't get rejected very often. But you also won't have very many close friends. Because even if those people think you're relatively pleasant, they won't know the real you. They will only know the small percentage of you that you have chosen to reveal. Beth, on the other hand, uh, tells everyone everything. Um, I'm only kind of exaggerating. Uh, it caused me a lot of anxiety when we first got married, because uh, there were times she would disclose something to others that like, I thought was going to be personal information. And I was like, I was unaware that we were going to tell people that didn't know it just came out like now it's happened like maybe her and I got in a fight and then the next day we're at church small group and she says Dan and I were fighting about this yesterday and I was like we tell people what we fight about like details of our fight are going to be made available to the public do do I get a vote in what we are going to share with others I guess like anxiety right but here's the deal She's got a ton of friends. Always has. And it took me a while. But eventually I saw those things were, were related. Right? Letting someone else see who you are, what's going on with you, creates the opportunity for connection. If you wait for someone to become a friend before you show them who you are and what's going on with you, you might wait Forever. You got it reversed. It's the vulnerability that creates the friendship instead of the friendship that creates the vulnerability. If we want the total inclusion, like relationally safe warmth that we need, we cannot hide. The more we hide, the more alone we will be. Vulnerability is one requirement for friendship which brings us to the choice of friendship, we can decide to initiate friendship. It's up to us how open we will be. It's up to us who we, who we will pursue to be our friend. It's up to us. Generally, that's not what we think. Generally, we think that friendship isn't chosen, but is instead, like, discovered. Like we spontaneously stumble upon another person with whom we have much in common, and then pff, we're friends. And the more we share in common, then probably like the quicker we become friends. And that, like, that's how we think it works. And certainly that is like one path to friendship. Commonality, one way to begin friendship. But it's not the only path. And it doesn't seem to be the path Jesus outlines here. Jesus says, I chose you to be my friends. I chose you, verse 16. You did not choose me, and we are not friends because we share a bunch in common. In fact, now that we're talking about it, there's a bunch of differences between us. For starters, he would say, I'm the creator of the universe, and you aren't. But rather than our differences being a barrier, Jesus chose to connect with us anyway. And that's how it worked in the first century Christian communities, too. They were not bound together because they had tremendous commonality with one another. Instead, they were like utterly unique in terms of their diversity. Rich and poor would call each other family. They would sit at the same table. They held each other in high esteem. Same thing with natural enemies, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, Romans. Those those groups didn't share a whole lot in common, but they became family It doesn't require commonality to be friends. That is a path, but it isn't essential. Choice is essential. We choose the people we want close. It's a choice. Example, husbands and wives. Maybe you're at a point in your marriage where you are thinking something like, uh, my spouse and I have drifted apart. Because we don't have anything to talk about anymore. What we once have had in common, kids, the house, certain activities, we don't have that stuff in common anymore, and I don't feel as close. You don't need to raise your hand. But listen, your connection with each other will not like magically appear again. You will not spontaneously stumble into deep connection with one another. You must choose. And you can choose to be open, like vulnerable with each other, to create an opportunity for connection. So just one, um, for instance, maybe you can go out to dinner and finish these sentences. Say, I'm excited about. I'm scared because. I'm proud of. I'm ashamed of. I've never told you, but. That's a choice whether you share those things or not. It's a choice. And you don't have to have anything in common in order to share the ends of those sentences. You don't need stuff in common. But sharing those kind of things will create the opportunity for more connection. Jesus said, I passed everything on to you. I'm an open book, and that is why. One reason, you're my friend. Okay, lastly, the power for friendship. Uh, Jesus' acceptance of us. That's the power for friendship. Admittedly, like we've said, for, uh, for many of us who aren't Beth, um, it's not always easy to be open, for instance. For some of us, it feels more natural to be a closed book. Likely, uh, because we fear rejection, At least that's my best guess after 14 years of marriage. I can say I didn't want Beth to tell people about a fight that we had, for instance, because they might look at us differently. They might judge us. Or worse, they might think she was right. (laughs) It just seems safer for people not to know. It seems safer. Maybe, if I can control what they know, I can control their approval of me. But if I'm worried about their approval or about being judged, that is fear of rejection. How do we overcome that? Jesus' acceptance of us. That's how we overcome it. I'm not kidding. It really makes a difference. Jesus says here, verse 12, as as I have loved you, right? So you are to love one another. Be friends with one another because I have called you friends. It's what Jesus has done for us that enables us to do for others. You can literally coach yourself. I am already known. I am already loved. I am already wanted. Regardless of whether I say something clever to this group of people or not, Regardless of whether they accept me, I am already as accepted as I will ever need to be. Jesus Christ chose me to be his friend. And not only that, it says here, verse 14: greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ loves us so much that He that He laid down His life for us. We are, we are accepted already to the utmost. Jesus So much wanted friendship with us that he lost the friendship of God. On the cross, Jesus lost that warm, total inclusion, relationally safe, like Greek festival type of acceptance. So that we could have it. We have that type of friendship with God himself because Jesus lost it. And we will have it forever Therefore, we can feel included and secure regardless of what's happening around us, right? Remind yourself of that. Fill yourself with that. And you will find the power to initiate friendships or be vulnerable all over the place. Uh, I'm sure this sounds a little trite, I, you don't, so you don't have to tell me. Uh, but you know how you automatically feel more comfortable in a new setting if you have a friend with you? Like you're not sure if you're going to go to an event, but like, if your friend goes, then you will go. Maybe some of you, that's why you came to church today. It's probably a little trite. But you do have a friend with you. Everywhere you go, you should hear, you should feel like this resounding, I have called you friend. I have included you. You should hear that from the creator of the universe. And since we have that in us, we can bring it with us and deliver it to everyone we meet always there should be a warmth and a welcome anytime anyone ever meets any christian that's what should happen christians should be known for their warmth and welcome i know we aren't i know we fall short like globally as a group but we have the resources to be to to be there because of how jesus has so included us he has called us friend. Now, that's Jesus' angle on friendship. How might we share Christ through a conversation about friendship? Uh, one, as always, I hope our life group curriculum was helpful. Um, I hope you already had good conversations about how to share Christ through this, through this theme. Excuse me, but one idea. Okay, currently conversations about loneliness or the need for connection are more common than they were maybe 10 years ago. People will say things. You don't even have to prompt them. They'll say it. They'll say like, I'm glad to be back in the office just so I can see people, for instance. Or my grandmother's care facility didn't allow guests for two years, and now she's going crazy. Or Someone is about to move to a new city and they say, hopefully I'll be able to get plugged in when I get there and I'll find some friends. Or I've been standing next to other parents um, at the playground and someone says, seems to be a lot easier for kids to make friends than it is for adults because kids will just go up to another kid they've never seen before and say, hi, want to play? Or they won't even talk, they'll just start chasing each other around and like suddenly they're friends. Like why can't adults do that? I've had that conversation at the playground, more than once actually. But something, people will say something um, to acknowledge the need that we have for others. And when they do, you could say something like, life really is better connected, isn't it? I mean, we need each other, don't we? See, you're just agreeing with what they already said. That's easy, right? If you want to add a little bit more juice to the conversation, people around here seem to lean in more if you uh, talk about some kind of formal research. So you can say, I heard about this Greek island where people live to be 100 because they're so intertwined in each other's lives. Or you can quote any of the studies uh, I shared with you several months ago during our series uh, about becoming more community with one another. And people will be like, oh, cool, I'd like to live on that island. Um, Then you can ask. And again, I'm comfortable asking questions like this. If you aren't, find another way. But I ask something like, when do you think you felt the most connected with others? Like in your life. When were you most connected? Was it a kid, elementary school, college? Maybe you're in a fraternity or sorority. When did you feel most connected to others? I ask those kind of questions because I'd rather have a real conversation than just small talk. Like, I actually want to know people. Truly connect with them. I don't want the conversation to be just like surface-level fluff. And I've found people love reflecting on their own lives. Uh, no one ever seems offended to talk about themselves, All right? So I just ask, when, when were you most connected? After they say, you know, we, how do we become, or, you know, um, friends, uh, kids be able to, uh, seem to be able to f- make friends a lot easier than we do. Yeah. When were you most connected? College, they might say. Great. I would say. Me too. Then we can both like reminisce for a little. Next question. How did those people make you feel connected? Like, what did they do to make you feel included? What was it about them that drew you in? They probably never thought about that before, so it might take them a minute. But again, they'll probably enjoy reflecting on it because it's the greatest time they ever had in their life. Eventually, maybe they say, I saw those same people all the time. We lived together. We studied together. We had fun together. We cried together. They knew what was going on with me. They cared what was going on with me, something Then you can say, and again, if you don't like this next step, figure out your own intermediate step. This is just one suggestion, but I'd say something like, you know, this might sound crazy, but everything you just described of how your college friends included you, that is one of my favorite things about my Christian faith. We believe that God includes us like that. He's with us through ups and downs, laughs with us, cries with us, cares what's going on with us, cherishes us, calls us friends. We believe we have that with God. It is the deepest, fullest, warmest acceptance you can imagine. It's bottomless. It's endless. We have that with God. That's what we believe. Then you need to add, if it's an evangelistic conversation, need to add what Jesus did for us and why it was necessary. We we can't only say we are close with God. We must also explain what it was that made us so close with God. So you can add. And the really cool thing is that unlike our friends who might sometimes reject us, either because of our issues or their issues, God will never reject us. That's what we believe the cross was about. All the distaste for our unacceptable behavior that might get us rejected from our friends, in which, honestly, we deserve, um, all of that distaste was voluntarily taken by Jesus on the cross so that we would be free from it. There is nothing between us and God. Nothing stands in the way of God's acceptance of us. Like, you know that pain you have when you feel excluded from a friend? In Christ, we never have that with God. He was rejected so that we will always be accepted. With Jesus, our sin is addressed and paid for. It is not ignored. It is not excused. But it also does not interfere with our relationship with God because He has taken it away. Really, no one else loves us like that our friends, family, no matter how great they are, no matter how romanticized that Greek island is, no one ever seems to be able to fully deliver that kind of acceptance, this unending, eternal, bottomless inclusion. Only Jesus does that. He's a better friend. He's a better friend. So today, for all of us that are here, if you have sensed a need for Him, if you have a longing for bottomless, eternal acceptance, where your sin is acknowledged, it's not ignored, but it is also paid for so it doesn't stand in the way. If that's you, if you've sensed a need for that kind of inclusion, pray to Him now. Say, thank you for being rejected, so I never will be. Thank you for losing the eternal warmth of fellowship so I could have it. I love you, I trust you, I wanna be with you always. Pray to him. Let's all pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus who was excluded so we could be included, who was forsaken so we could be welcome. Lord. Thank you that you do not tolerate sin, But you provided a way for it to be paid so that we could be with you in an endless warmth of bottomless acceptance. Lord, I pray that we would feel that. I pray that we would feel that you really are our friend. May friend from you echo in every little corner of our soul until we feel that it is really true, that we are really accepted no matter where we've been, what we've done, that you have paid the price for us uh, to bring us home, Lord. Uh, We pray all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, in in the first century when Jesus met with His disciples, a symbol that He gave His disciples to remind them of His sacrifice for them is communion. Um, And typically here at Bridges, we celebrate communion the first Sunday of the month. So we have ushers going to various stations um, around the sanctuary and outside. Um, And in a minute, uh, we'll be able, I'll I'll pray, then we can get up and make our way to one of these stations, and then you can go back to your seat, um, and then I'll come up and we can all take communion together. Here at Bridges, we do not believe that it is communion, um, this little piece of bread and this little cup that actually forgives you. We believe that what Jesus did and our trust in it is what forgives us. Um, But this is a symbol to remind us of Jesus' broken body and shed blood uh, in our place so that we could be forgiven, uh, we could be included. So let me pray and then we can make our way uh, to receive communion father thank you again for jesus sacrifice thank you for giving us this very basic simple uh symbol with elements that are available in every single culture in the world lord a cup and bread just to remind us to give us a visual of what it is that you did for us lord on the cross with your with your broken body and your shed blood may we uh receive this as we receive you uh with gratefulness we pray those things in jesus name amen you. Mm-hmm. On the night uh, Jesus was betrayed, he met with his uh, disciples final time. And after the meal, um, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, "Uh, this is the cup of the new covenant um, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. Pray. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to stand where we deserve and be our substitute. Lord, thank you for his blood applied. May we, um, may we cherish it, cherish him, cherish his work, and cherish you. Uh, we pray those things in his name. Amen. Mm.
4: Friends, before we dismiss uh, today and go our separate ways, we want to thank you for worshiping with us today. want to remind you about bridges.info. You're going to find uh, several links there that will be very helpful to you. For instance, you may uh, want to know more about the church and how to plug into a group so that you can build Relationships here with other believers who are seeking to follow Jesus. And you can find ways to do that at bridges.info, and we can help connect you to a group. If you have a question about today's message or maybe something that stirred in your mind about something that happened in the service, the songs... That we've sung. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be covered in the blood of Jesus? What what does it mean to take communion? And all of those things or anything connected to Pastor Dan's sermon. You can do that at bridges.info at the sermon uh, questions link that's there uh, to our regular attenders and members you'll find a link there as always to give financially our tithes and our offerings continue the ministry here at the church and we're grateful for that it's also an act of worship as we have been worshiping all morning it's a way that we continue to worship we worship recognizing that god gives so generously to us so we want to give generously as a way to saying thanks to god you'll also find service opportunities at bridges.info some ongoing projects uh, that we're working on and ways to jump in to those as we seek to love our neighbor well. You also want to encourage you to go to the news and events page at bridges.info because you're going to find a link there for this Tuesday evening. I'm going to have a special zoom call with our uh, missionaries who uh, have been doing church planting in Ukraine with World Venture. and that's uh, Eric and Beth Yotis and you're going to find the Zoom info there at the news and events page so that is this Tuesday evening it's going to be at seven thirty, and you're welcome to just jump onto the call you don't have to stay for the whole call if you can't um, not sure if we're going to be able to record or not I need to check with Eric if that would be okay if we recorded it and made it available to others who are not able to be a part of that call but we hope that you will Join us for that. We're going to have a chance to hear an update and to also, you can ask questions. And Eric and Beth, I know, would love for you to connect with us in that way. So that's this Tuesday uh, at 730. You'll find the link there at the news and events page there at bridges.info. Well, I trust that you've been encouraged today. And we would be remiss if we didn't recognize that there are almost always, every single Sunday, prayers uh, or the need for prayer uh, that perhaps you or loved one has that you uh, have brought here with you today. And so if I, uh, after the service, can pray for you and you um, have any questions about the church or, again, just simply need prayer, I'll be over here on this side and would love to uh, connect with you in that way. I hope that you have a great rest of your uh, day. Let me pray. God, as we leave here today, may we leave reminded of the salvation that you have made possible for us, that you tore down the walls of separation between us and you, Lord, that while we were yet enemies, Lord, because of our sin, you brought us near through the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us your son. We thank you that you place us strategically this week, Lord, you will, in positions where we can, as Mark prayed earlier, God, that we are salt and light, and we pray that we would take advantage of those opportunities. Thank you, Father. Bring us back together again and glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great rest of your day.